Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning! Diaria! It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports. On 95.7, the game. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Steven Lankford did on the pregame show, 95.7, the game, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. Woo! Boy, we got some stuff to talk about today. We do have the Giants and their 8 nothing win over the Diamondbacks last night. And more specifically, I want to focus on Kevin Gosman. So we'll get to that. Steve Kerr was on DRK yesterday. Got a little bit I want to sift through there. And we have finally heard from Shanahan, Garoppolo, Kittle, Fred Warner, all from OTAs. And I want to do a little OTA overreacted after hearing what Kyle Shanahan and Garoppolo had to say. So we got a lot to get into, but I do want to update you uh, on what happened last night. I know that, yeah, as Warrior fans, you probably don't want to be hearing about the playoffs right now. You're, you're, you're just waiting till after these first few games because the sting has not gone away from what happened against the Grizzlies last Friday. Uh, but just to give you an update on what happened last night, because I want to get into something that went on with the Lakers and the Suns. Uh, but last night you had the Nets. They went up 2 nothing on the Celtics in the series. They won 130-108, to and they just dominated that game. I think Joe Harris started off 6-for-6. Six six. He was a plus 28 on the floor already after the first half, and he was their highest scorer. Everyone was just so efficient on that Nets team last night. So shout-out to the Nets, and shout-out to the Celtics for coming out. But... Even though it's in Brooklyn, I don't know if those uh, those games, I don't know if that series is even going to go five. It might just go four straight up, and the Nets just might sweep because they are just absolutely dominating the Celtics, especially without Jalen Brown. Uh, the Mavs, and by the way, this was weird. Why was the Mavs? Uh, why was the Mavs Clippers game going on just about the same time as Lakers Suns? Did anyone? Did that catch anyone off guard last night? By the way. You know, when you looked up the schedule and you're thinking, what are your, what are your, how are you gonna, 
go about your NBA watching last night, it's like, why are there two Western Conference matchups going on at the same time? But nevertheless, the Mavs won 127 to 101. They went up to uh, uh, a two nothing in the series on the Clips, but it's in LA. In Los Angeles, the Mavs have gone up 2-0. And not only that, but they have been winning in dominating fashion. And last night, Luka Doncic again, he put up 39 points. And he's just taking advantage of whatever the Clippers are trying to throw at them on, on defense. I don't know why you just don't have... Kawhi basically shadow him. You're putting Patrick Beverly on him, but clearly even Patrick Beverly can't get under the skin of Luka. Luka is just talking as much trash as I've ever heard talk to Patrick Beverly because he can't say anything back. But the Clippers, they're down 2 nothing at L.A. But here's the thing that got me from last night. Kawhi put up 41 points. Kawhi put up 41 points in this matchup. Now, from these playoffs... We look at the superstars and we wonder which ones aren't going to stick around on their team because there's always that one team, right, that has that dysfunction where the superstar could possibly leave. After last night, Kawhi Leonard putting up 41 points. I want to be surprised if he wants to leave the Clippers. I mean, there are going to be plenty of teams who are chasing after him. But if the Warriors want to add veterans... As Bob Myers and Steve Kerr had mentioned in their end-of-season press conference, if they want to add veterans, and they were talking specifically about free agents, but I want to read between the lines a little bit. If they want to add veterans who want to win now, I I think Kawhi Leonard would be thrust to the top of the list. And I think that all of you who were calling me out yesterday for even talking about the prospect of you know whether Wiseman would be involved in a trade— I would think that for the Clippers that they would want to ask for Wiseman in some sort of package deal with Kawhi. Now, it remains to be seen. Two games into the series, you never know. The Clippers could come come back, but we know how that team is with their attitude, and we know how down they get. Kawhi putting up those 41 points and still having the lo- still getting the loss. I think that's going to get interesting moving forward. But we also had the Lakers, and they split the series with the Suns uh, 1-1 after beating them 109-102 in the Valley. It was a close game, but with no Chris Paul toward the end because of the injury, uh, they couldn't bring him in for extended minutes. The Suns got exposed at the end of the game, and the Lakers uh, just opened things up in the fourth quarter there. So the Lakers got the win. But what got me yesterday was right at the beginning of the game, and I want to play the highlight for you. I'm not going to play it from where the play actually happens because Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller didn't get a read on it. So I'm playing it, the TNT broadcast, I'm playing the highlight from when they're watching the slow-mo replay and they can actually understand what's happening because at the beginning of the game, Anthony Davis, he's uh, at the left elbow, he's putting up a jumper over Jay Crowder, clearly kicks his foot out, gets him in the nuts. Just, just, there's no other way to put it. Gets him right in the nuts. <laughs> and it looked intentional from the slow-mo, but listen to this call. If you didn't see it yesterday, listen to the pain in Kevin Harlan's voice when they're watching the slow-mo. You, can fe- you feel like you can actually watch the screen as you're hearing the call. Listen to Reggie Miller and Kevin Harlan last night on the broadcast when this happened. Wondering if the ball jammed finger. Oh, maybe it was the follow-through. 
just real quick, that's how bad of a read that they got on it at first. Reggie Miller thinking that it's a jammed finger, when it definitely was not a jammed finger. You're wondering if the ball jammed finger. Oh, maybe it was the follow-through by Anthony Davis that kind of hit him below the belt a little bit. Look at the follow-through of Anthony Davis' foot. I'm wondering if the officials are going to take a look at this. Look at the follow-through. Yep, oh, right there. Right wow. there. Right. <laughs> Yikes! They're going to take a look at it, and this will probably be a technical. Because uh, we saw Draymond Green a, a few years ago. Moving on the floor is a defensive foul on Crowder. The play is under review. Now... It ended up being called a flagrant on Anthony Davis, but first off, just listen to Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan is all of us when we were watching this game and watching this play unfold in slow-mo last night. Look at the follow-through. Yep, right there. Right there. (laughs) Yikes! Like, as, you know, males, we can, you know, we, we cry about a lot. We cry about a lot of bleep, right? And when I saw that, you could feel it. Yeah, you know? like it was one of those moments where you could you could feel it in your groin, and it was just it was just painful to watch. But the bigger question is: is they're talking about whether it's intentional, and Reggie Miller's saying it's you know unintentional. But you heard him mention Draymond Green's name there before the ref butted in, and they didn't really harp on that. And luckily, the ref did come in when he did to say what the, what the call was on the floor because Draymond, as soon as it happened, I, I, I can't imagine the influx of tweets, social media posts, comments on Instagram, whatever it is, people blowing up Draymond Green's phone as soon as it happened. And then when you hear Reggie Miller not even explain his point because, you you know, there's about 30 seconds left in that highlight, but he doesn't even have to explain his point because everyone knows what we're talking about whenever we're mentioning Draymond Green going up for a shot and kicking the other player in the nuts. So Draymond Green on Twitter, as soon as he heard it, so he said, so it's unintentional now, Reggie Miller? You referenced me as if mine was also unintentional. None of y'all said that during the time. Clarify your point. Would love to know. And then Anthony Davis, after the game, here's what he had to say when he was asked post-game about that kick on Crowder. You know, it wasn't intentional. Uh, Jay knows that. He, he came and told me it wasn't intentional. I've never been that type of player to do anything like that. But, you know, if you get kicks in that area, I, I guess this is on an automatic flagrant one, no matter what the situation is. So, you know, I didn't let it affect me. It was early in the game. I, I didn't let it affect me. The crowd was going to be the crowd, you know, cheer for the team and support their team and just play through it. And that's all I did. No, Anthony, come on, man. You may not be that type of player. You may not be. But when you are watching that on replay, and you are... Look, it's not like it was inadvertent. You heard how Kevin Harlan reacted on the call. Look at the follow-through. Yep, right there. Right there. (laughs) Yikes! Yeah, like, you could tell there was something there, but when you are going up for a jumper and he's right in front of you... Look, in real time, when you're competing, we've done, we've all done that before as athletes, right? None of us may feel like we're malicious players, you know, when we're on the field or on the court. Now, granted, I haven't played at an NBA level. I didn't play at a college level, played at high school, not basketball, but 
when you're going up for a jumper, sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment, you may do something like that where you may feel like you could get away with it, and then it happens. Look at the highlight. Maybe it looked a little more blatant than you expected it to be. You know, and and, and maybe in his own mind, he thinks that it wasn't intentional. Like, he's convinced himself that it wasn't intentional. But when you are watching that replay, I mean, come on. Come on. You're watching the replay and you're going to tell me that that's not intentional when you just go up for a shot and you happen to kick your foot out right at the dude's junk at the very end. And I've seen Anthony Davis's jump shot a billion times. He kicks his leg out, sure, but not that far, especially when it's just one-on-one. And it's not like he was going for a fadeaway either. You know, it was just a straight-up, you know, it was a face-up on Crowder, and he just goes in for a jumper and just kicks him in the nuts. That's what happened. And he's trying to come off and say that it's not intentional. I mean, give me a break. Um, By the way, there's one more sound clip that I want to play for you, uh, as the Knicks and the Hawks have been a very entertaining series. But the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, he has been doing this weird press conference thing every week where he's trying to make it more entertaining you know the last week he wore uh, a Nets hat and this week he was wearing a Knicks hat and listen to Bill de Blasio here in his latest press conference talking about Trey Young on the Hawks now just staying on this topic for one second this is about basketball I have an important official announcement uh this is very serious want to get this out message to Trey Young Uh, on behalf of the people of New York City and and anyone who cares about actually playing basketball the right way, stop hunting for fouls, Trey. Uh, I want to quote Steve Nash, one of the great player, great coach. He says, quote-unquote, that's not basketball. Trey, Trey, that hawk's not going to fly in New York City. Come on, play the game the right way, see if you can win. I think the Knicks are going to teach you a lesson. (laughs) I mean, come on. Come on, really? What are we what, what are we doing here? I actually like that. I really like that, but if there wasn't the underlying uh, you know, issue where politicians are telling the athletes to quote unquote stick to sports, but then they sport uh, but they bring sports into their own uh political climate there. I mean, it's fun when it goes both ways, but it has to go both ways. And I enjoy that he's trying to, uh, you know, make something out of it, wearing a Knicks hat at the podium and telling Trey Young to stop hunting for fouls. That doesn't happen too often, but it gotta go, it's gotta go both ways, right? <laughs> right? You can't tell the athletes to stick to sports when the politicians are going to be the ones commenting on sports in the middle of their own press conferences. I'm just saying, it has to go both ways. Very entertaining, though. 888 for the 916. I have seen that same kick from the Karate Kid. I'm telling you, you got to watch the replay. you got to watch the replay in slow-mo. You can feel it. It's one of those, the, 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 those prototypical ones where you could just, oh, oh, that's painful. You know, when you can actually feel it yourself. That's how it was, and it was totally intentional. Let me get you on the way out with Kevin Harlan in the call. But 888-957-9570, that's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Uh, do want to talk about Kevin Gosman, because last night the Giants got the uh, 8 nothing win over the Diamondbacks. And Kevin Gosman, 
This dude is having a Cy Young type of season. Listen to these names that he's at the top of the list with uh, as far as the leaderboard goes, and let's compare him to what he did last season because he had 10 starts last year. He's had 10 starts this year. So let's compare the two and see the progress that he's made. 888-957-9570. Stephen Langford in with you on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Look at the follow-through. Yep, oh. right there. Right wow. there. Right. <laughs> Yikes. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Nobody move. Blood on the floor. All right. All right, sorry. 888-957-9570 is the text line at the phone number if you want to weigh in. I'm telling you, when Anthony Davis kicked Jay Crowder in the nuts, Kevin Harlan was all of us. Look at the follow-through. Yep, oh. right there. Right wow. there. <laughs> Yikes. Oh. We'll get into that a little later on back in the show. Coming up, uh, we'll get to what Steve Kerr had to say. He was on with DRK yesterday talking about the Warriors. And then we're going to do a little OTA overreacting because Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, Fred Warner, they all spoke yesterday at OTAs. And it's time to overreact and have a little fun with it. But I do want to get to the Giants' win last night as they beat the Arizona Diamondbacks 8 to nothing. Yadi Molina. Cardinals are really high on him. Longoria drives it. Left center field. Hit well. And out of here! Center field. Longoria. Home run. Number six on the season, and the Giants lead 6 nothing. Every single at-bat that Evan Longoria had last night, shout-out to NBC Sports Bay Area for the audio, but every single at-bat that Longoria had was as comfortable as he's looked for the entirety of a game. He was 3-for-4 yesterday uh, with four RBIs, including three of them that came off of that home run to make it 6 to nothing. They were already up 3 nothing in the beginning of the game, and it didn't look like the Diamondbacks could come back. But I do want to highlight uh, a couple of other guys. First off, Brandon Crawford for clearing the bases in the beginning of the game. That set the tone for everything. Uh, but you also had Yastrzemski going 2-for-5. You had Dickerson going 2-for-5, and he had some good at-bats last night. I mean, he lined one out at the beginning of the game with a 103-mile-an-hour fly ball uh, that just went right to the right fielder, and I'd rather t- I'd take those type of at-bats all day. Um, but it was Longoria who had the big night at the plate as the Diamondbacks won 8 to nothing. I do want to highlight Kevin Gosman, though. Because Kevin Gosman has been so damn good this season. And he had to actually work last night. He had to work through uh, just after about four innings. He was already up uh, just to uh, 75 pitches. He gave up five hits, uh, had a couple of walks, but he struck out nine. And what Kevin Gosman has been doing has been nothing short of remarkable. Overall this year... Right now, as I pull up the leaderboard, he has a 1.53 ERA, and he struck out 76, and he's walked 16. So I want to, first off, do a little bit of this year, which is a new segment I do whenever uh, we see something from last year relating to the player. For example, we did one on Di Sclafani through his seven starts because he only started seven games in the previous season. Well, Gosman started his 10th game this year, and last year he only had 10 starts. So I want to play a little bit of 
this year versus last year. As we go to last year, he had a 3.62 ERA in 59 innings pitched. He gave up 79 strikeouts, or he had 79 strikeouts, and had 16 walks. This year? This year he's got a 1.53 ERA after 64 innings of work, so he's had five more innings of work than he had last season. He's walked the exact same amount of guys at 16, and he actually struck out more guys through his 10 starts last year. Uh, He struck out 79 compared to this year? When he had 76, but it's not that number that stuck out to me because the strikeout numbers last year uh, were clearly a little higher at this point in the season, and he was just finding his fastball and his splitter uh, to go along with that uh, that slider that he has. But last year, the babip, I love the babip. The batting average on balls in play. So whenever guys are getting hits and actually putting it into the field what their batting average is when they actually make contact. It was 296 last year. This year? This year it's 230. This year it's 230. That's how much players are getting on base whenever they actually get a batted ball. They're averaging 230 compared to 296 last year. So it's not the strikeout numbers that are going to blow you away compared to last year, but it's the way that he's getting guys out. It's the way that he's getting guys out. Last year... The percentage of guys he left on base, it was at 73%. 73%, which is actually a pretty good number compared to what he had in, the, in his previous years. That's right on average. Uh, 73% was last year. But this year? This year he's left 89% of guys on base. <laughs> exactly, Butch, this year. He's left 89% of the batters off base this year compared to last year. That's up 16%. So you could tell that the strikeout pitch is there, but it's not only that he's striking guys out with that splitter and doing it with confidence, by the way, even when he gets in trouble. I mean, last year or last night, did you remember when he got out of that bases loaded jam and Ketel Marte was up, or how do you pronounce his last or his first name? Ketel Marte was up, and he just struck him out on three pitches right away. Got out of it, wasn't even phased. But he's just been leaving guys on base constantly. And when you look at the leaderboard this season, he's got a 1.53 ERA. Again, as I mentioned, he's 5-0 and on the year in his 64 innings of work. That's the fourth best in all of baseball. The guy at the top right now is Jacob deGrom. He's got a .8 ERA overall on the season, and he just came back last night and didn't show any signs of slowing uh, when he was playing the Rockies. So shout-out to DeGrom. But then you got Brandon Woodruff from Milwaukee, who's got a 1.41 ERA. Lance Lynn, who's got a 1.51 ERA. Then Gosman, who's got a 1.53. So second in the National League, fourth overall, or third in the National League, fourth overall in baseball for Gosman as far as ERA goes. But here's my thing, and I was looking this up. I was looking up Tim Lincecum's stats from his Cy Young seasons. I went back to 2009 and I was going to do a little comparison but through Lincecum's first 10 games he had a 3.5 ERA and he'd struck out a bunch more guys than Gosman he actually struck out uh, 89 through his first 10 games of that year in 20 in 2009 as opposed to Gosman who struck out uh, 76 so far 
But I guess my point is, when we are going to be looking at the Cy Young conversation, when it comes to Kevin Gosman, it's not only what he does at the beginning of the year, because what he can do at the beginning of the year is great. You know, everything that he does at the beginning of the year, it can be great. And we saw what he did through 60 games last season. That's what earned him a spot uh, as the ace of this rotation. But it's what he does in not only the first half leading into the All-Star break, but maintaining this level of dominance in the second half if he wants to have any sort of chance at the Cy Young. But I think he's making it an incredibly hard decision for Farhan Zaidi. A very hard decision for Farhan. You know, as a Giants fan, I'd love Gosman to stick around. But when the trade deadline approaches and they're going to be calling teams to try and get, you know, a big name player, I think Kevin Gosman's name is going to be the ones uh, is going to be one of the names that is thrown into the mix, and I trust Farhan to get the type of value in return that he feels like he deserves for finding Gosman in the first place, for finding this diamond in the rough who personally when I thought when he started out in in uh, in Baltimore pitching for the Orioles, this was before all these dudes were throwing 95 miles an hour on average. I'm like, who is this guy who's throwing 97 with movement? Like, who is this Gosman guy? Then a few years after that, you know, he, he, he flamed out a little bit, didn't pitch as well, was losing uh, his location and, 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 you know, just leaving pitches over the plate. But now he looks like a completely different pitcher, and I think he's making the job that much tougher off Farhawk going into the trade deadline because that is going to be the number one name, in my opinion, where you're just saying – Look, trade him. It's it's okay. Trade him. It's fine. Or you got other people who are saying, no, don't trade Gosman. What are you talking about? You got a chance to play for the wild card. So uh, there's plenty more to discuss going forward. But again, this dude is practically a Cy Young candidate already through these first 10 starts. And he's had a few more innings of work uh, than a couple of these other guys in the National League. So shout out to Kevin Gosman. Yet again, I mean, you're giving him a three-run lead like they did last night. He's going to strike out as many batters as possible, but he's going to leave guys on base, and you're not going to get many RBIs against him. So shout-out to Kevin Gosman. He has been an absolute joy to watch. And by the way, dudes are hitting 100. 100 off of his splitter. How crazy is that? A 100 padding average off of his splitter. Now, he gave up a hit yesterday early on in the game, but other than that, his splitter was working. It's crazy what he's doing with that pitch. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Coming up next, we'll get to what Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, all of them had to say amidst OTAs. And then we'll also get to what Steve Kerr had to say yesterday on Damon, Ratto, and Kolsky. But 888-957-9570, that's the text line and the phone number. My main question here is with games like last night with the Clippers, and this is a Warrior-specific question, but in that game last night with the Clippers, when you're seeing Kawhi score 41 and they're down 2 nothing in the series, haven't even got a game on them, and they've been playing in L.A. the past two games. Do you think Kawhi wants out? And who do you think the Warriors should put in a package deal to possibly pick up Kawhi Leonard? It's way too early to talk about this, but I want to know from you now. 888 Want to get a gauge on you, Warriors fans, on 95.7 The Game.
Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. We had Kyle Shanahan, we had Jimmy Garoppolo, we had George Kittle, we had Fred Warner, we had was speaking after OTAs, and I want to do a little OTA overreacting, but uh, people are wondering here at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero from the seven oh seven what is left on Kawhi Leonard's contract because. I think that after last night, and the reason that I'm getting into this conversation, you heard me yesterday, and I was on here, you know, and they said, you know, we didn't just draft Wiseman so that we could trade him. There's, there, there's no, no, that's not going to happen. And I completely believe them. However, if there is going to be a player who, you know, whose name might pop up in, in the stratosphere of possible guys to trade for, well, Kawhi Leonard, in my opinion, is that number one candidate. I do think that uh, Donovan Mitchell is going to be someone to watch out for, but I think Kawhi Leonard's the number one guy right now because he put up 41 points last night, and they still lost in L.A., and they're down two games to nothing in the series against the Dallas Mavericks against Luka Doncic and company who do not know how to play defense very well, who, who just don't. So when Kawhi's not getting the scoring, I would think that, you know, maybe I would want to leave. And the Heat have always been in the talks with Kawhi Leonard. It's always the Heat. But seeing how the Heat have performed when their shooters are completely covered, um, you know, I think it'd be a good team for him to go to. But it would be on him to have to be the three-point shooter, the guy who's going to create his own shots, because the other guys, uh, you know, whether it's Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson, defense is going to be focusing on them. So they'll have, you know, just one-on-one with whoever the forward is on that team. And Kawhi could fit, but I do think that he'd be want he'd want to be surrounded by shooters and surrounded by possibly Stephen Clay. And the reason that I was bringing it up is because I think that he could be the number one candidate here after these playoffs where it's like, well, Kawhi could possibly leave. And where he's at with his contract right now, he got a three-year deal uh, when he was with the Clippers, and it was worth uh, about $34 million a year. Uh, he made 32 in his first year, 34 this year, but he has a player option next season. He has the player option next year. And the player option is going to be $36 million. So $36 million are on the table. Then he's an unrestricted free agent in 2022. So Kawhi really has a say here. And this is where <laughs> you know football players get, uh, uh, get jealous of basketball players because they have these certain things on their contract. So he has the option to possibly uh, just not even sign that deal with the Clippers and come back for $36 million. And the way that they've performed, not only this season... But last year in last year in the bubble too, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to let him go. Now, would the Warriors be able to take on that thirty-six million dollar contract? I don't know, but I would guess that if the Clippers were looking for some sort of deal in return, uh, Wiseman would have to be involved in that, and the Warriors would also have to involve someone who's possibly making big money, and. If the Warriors want to have any chance at competing next season, um, at least for a final, because 
when I heard Steve Kerr and Bob Myers at their press conference, I felt that at the end, uh, after it was all said and done, after they'd been through 45 minutes worth of answering questions each, by the way, each. Bob Myers was on. You know, I was listening for my entire ride home on the way back to Campbell. I made it back to Campbell by the time Steve Kerr was about 10 minutes into his interview, into his uh, presser. So it lasted for a long time. And at the end of it, I got the vibe that these guys just want to win now. There's no messing around here. You know, and they, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that Timberwolves pick in the first round. We, I mean, there's a possibility that it might not even convey, convey. Now, the percentages are there with the Warriors. It's looking more and more likely that the Warriors are going to get that pick because there's really no chance uh, that the Timberwolves will end up within the top three. So it's not even guaranteed that that pick's going to convey. Let's just operate under the assumption that it would. Then they got the other pick, of course, at 14 uh, after this season. But I, I think that with, with the way Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, with the way they were talking... It doesn't seem like they have much time to mess around. They'd love to develop for the future, but it seems like if they're going to give Curry that extension going into next year, um, you know, the five-year deal, and they're paying him a boatload of money, I would think that within that time, they want to get guys who can win early on. They don't want to wait till the end of that max contract that Steph is going to get, that extension. They don't want to wait till the end of it to win championships. They want to do it right away. They want to do it right away so that more revenue can be generated so that it can help pay for guys like Stephen Curry. And I think the way that they want to do that is by adding these big names. I wouldn't be surprised if Kawhi Leonard's name is right at the top of the list. Right at the top of the list. And from the 415, this is interesting. Curry used the term cornerstone when when referring to Wiseman. Could be pumping his value. And Steve Kerr on DRK yesterday had this to say when talking about the importance of adding the right free agents to the team. Yeah, I mean, I I think you have to understand that Steph and Draymond are really unique. There's nobody like them in the league. And so you look around the league at other free agents, you really have to sort of picture, can these guys play with Steph and Draymond? Will will they be good fits with them? And and what does that mean? I think you guys know I have always valued passing at every position. You know, our, our team, my first few years as coach, just a brilliant passing team. You know, Bogut and David Lee and and uh, Andre and Sean Livingston and Draymond. I mean, up and down the roster. And I'd even mention our guards, Steph and Clay, who are both great passers, too. So, you know, the more passing, the better, especially when you're playing with Steph and Draymond because the defense is going to be skewed. With Steph now, the people are going to be, you know, sending two at him almost out at half court. And so you need guys who can step in, like Juan Toscano-Anderson, guys who can step in from the weak side and handle a three-on-two situation after the blip. All the, all those things matter, and, and uh, so we have to factor those in when we're considering you know, who we're going to bring in in free agency. And uh, you have a better chance of knowing that with veterans because you've watched them play. And free agents, I mean, he's talking about free agents, cheap ones that would be signed for the veteran minimum. You know, he's not talking about just signing big-name free agents. You heard the morning roast go down the list yesterday. 
the list of names on there. Not very appealing when it comes to free agents, and it does suck actually watching that uh, that Lakers win over the Suns because you can't help but imagine that uh, when uh, Bob Myers said that they were in second place with a lot of those big-name free agents uh, last season, you can't help but wonder if uh, Gasol was on that list. And when Gasol saw that uh, uh, saw that Clay went down, he just said, "Nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with L.A." But man. I I don't know. When I'm watching that last night with the Clippers and the Mavs, them not even playing Luke Kennard, who's making way too much money. I think he's making like $70 million worth on his contract, and they're not even playing him. I don't know. I I think Kawhi Leonard uh, could get to the point where he's just incredibly frustrated with the entire thing, and they straight up just need to add more shooting, too. Guys who can create their own shot but can also pass the basketball. We'll see tonight, though. We'll see tonight with Game 2. If the Jazz... Now, this is going to be an interesting one, because coming in tomorrow, uh, we'll be talking more a little uh, about the NBA, but if the Jazz fall to the Grizzlies tomorrow, and much like the Clippers, they're down at home, losing their first two at home, I do think that the Jazz, there's going to be something there with Donovan Mitchell. There's going to be something there, because he's already upset with the way that they handled the first game. He had his issues with Gobert early on, and seeing how Gobert handled himself in that first game, Mitchell's going to be thinking, well, they're loyal to Gobert, and they'd love to have him on this team, and they think that Gobert could be the guy that could take them back to where they want to be. But then Donovan Mitchell could be looking at it and thinking, you know... I don't know if I can win with this team. I might need to go somewhere else. Now, that's most likely not what he's going to do. He's not like Kawhi Leonard where he's uh, doesn't have that much uh, pride in, in, in leaving. He'd be okay with leaving the Clippers no matter what. I mean, he left the, the Raptors after winning a championship. But I do wonder if Donovan Mitchell is going to get to that point uh, if they do win tonight. So you do have the Wizards and the 76ers. That was a competitive series for one half of basketball, but I don't think that's going to be very competitive moving forward. You got the Hawks and the Knicks, and you already had the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, calling out Trey Young, telling him to stop hunting for fouls. And then you got the Grizzlies and the Jazz tonight. So a pretty good lineup here of Game 2s in the NBA playoffs. All right, let's transition to the 49ers. Because OTAs are happening. And OTAs, this is when we overreact to... Everything. Everything. I love overreacting to OTAs. What, they got there on Monday? They got there on Monday? And it's time, three days later, to overreact to everything. Because when you heard Kyle Shanahan and George Kittle, the way that they talked about him yesterday, I mean, listen to George Kittle's first impression of Trey Lance. He looks a little bit better than a rookie quarterback. You know, he's out there. He's slinging it. I was really excited yesterday. He made like, he made an awesome throw on a play action. You know, he found the, he found my rookie Josh Peterson on a, on a, like a far corner is what we call it on a rollout, which is like the last guy you'd throw it to on the play. And the fact that he found him in his first ever rollout was pretty cool. You know, just seeing him out there and trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, it's like watching guys compete. Like I said, and if you can pick up this offense as a rookie and be able to, you know, analyze it and throw it to the right guy. And at the same time, you know, overcome coaching to make a play. It's impressive. And so I just can't wait to see what these next couple OTAs days, you know, give Trey and allow him to, you know, continue to move forward. Now, he's made some mistakes already, which are bound to happen. 
Well, when you hear George Kittle saying, well, he already looks better than a rookie quarterback, I can tell you that much. Woo! George Kittle saying that about this dude, Trey Lance? Now, personally, like I, I thought this even um, after the draft, but here's my initial stance on it. Like, I don't think it's even worth it to start Garoppolo again this year. Now, they may have already screwed that up in in terms of trading him because they could have gotten it done before the draft. But, I, look, I think that if you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback and you expect him uh, to be the franchise guy, I mean, you know, sure, you you may owe it to Garoppolo with the morals and stuff and the fact that he's given you so much and he's continued to be a professional through and through with the team. But if you got a rookie quarterback... I get the benefit of sitting him, but personally, when I look at it, you got a year sitting, uh, basically not playing the entirety of the college season. All we had to go back on were highlights from 2019, and then you sit him for another year. Dude doesn't get on the field for two seasons. I mean, we look at Aaron Rodgers uh, all the time for that sort of example, but it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, every quarterback is different, and personally. I think that you need to start Trey Lance day one. And that's just me. That's just me because then, you know, if the 49ers do well under Jimmy Garoppolo, that's great. But how far are you really expecting to go if you're starting Garoppolo? And, you know, it could just be a wasted year. And you could handle it like the Dolphins, (laughs) right? You could handle it like the Dolphins where, oh, you bring him in early on in the year, unexpected but then he doesn't play up to your standards, so you got to bring in the veteran quarterback again, playing the Raiders, and then that veteran quarterback is going to get face-masked by the new 49er, Arden Key, <laughs> that he's going to win the game for him. You just don't want to end up in a situation where you're confused with who your starting quarterback is in 2021. I think the 49ers are going to make the decision that Garoppolo is the guy, but I think it personally has to be Trey Lance. Here is Kyle Shanahan talking about Trey Lance, just the person that he is. As a person, definitely. I mean, the player, you know the ability that he has, and you see that on tape. You don't really come and look at it as, you know, from a coaching standpoint, like each day, like, how do he do today? Is he that good? Is he not? It's you more you want to get to know the guy. I got an idea of who I think the person is, and I'm being with him these last two weeks. He's been everything that we hoped him more. Um, I think he's a very smart kid. He's a very humble kid. I think he's a very natural leader. I think the guys have gravitated to him, and it's been fun to throw a lot at him. You know, you do it for two days in rookie any camp and to watch him just take it all in. I mean, from how he calls a play in the huddle to how he takes a snap under center to how he stands in shotgun to how he does everything, it's new. Um, we're asking him to do something different and to just absorb all that in um, until and to still handle yourself the right way. To me, that is impressive. And that's what I've expected from him and haven't been disappointed in that. And that's why I'm thankful to get OTAs and stuff because that's why OTAs, I try not to judge too much with anybody. You throw so much at people and it's so how much can they soak in and they go through a lot of highs and lows in those nine practices and then they get away for 40 days they kind of get to figure out what they just went through how to do it on their own and then they come back to training camp and you see what you really got and Kyle Shanahan's not going to say anything bad about the dude but he could be critical he could be critical if he wanted to because Kyle Shanahan is that type of guy he is now he he does have that uncertain way about him in press conferences I mean you know, when they talked about drafting Trey Lance and looking at these other quarterbacks and he says something like this. Maybe, probably, but maybe not. <laughs> you know, he's just saying a whole bunch of nothing. But when he is talking about these players and what they're doing, 
I do think that Shanahan would bring it to the podium and say, you know, Trey Lance is uh, uh, still a lot to work on, you know, and, and, and he'd give a little bit of a shorter answer. But it sounds like he's able to soak in the offense as quickly as possible, a sponge, so to speak. But then Kyle Shanahan continued and talked about the challenge of having five quarterbacks in OTAs. It's been great just watching the whole group hang together. I mean, just like those last questions, it's tough when there's only one position and there's five guys and they're all so eager to get reps and we don't have a lot of reps going through. So just what all five of those guys have been doing, hanging out with each other every day in the meeting rooms, on the field, uh, that's what I've been impressed with the most so far. Uh, in these two practices, I think both guys have done a good job, but you know, I mean, we had 12 plays of seven on seven and we had 10 plays of teams. I and mean, that's about usually half of what we normally do. So I'm uh, not doing a- enough to really get too into the football or make any judgments off, off guys. We're just throwing a lot at Trey that he's hearing for the first time. We're throwing a lot at some of these other quarterbacks who've just gotten here for the first time. And you start at day one for the rest of the team. And it's always good for him to start at day one. And we build our way up. Two practices. I'm hearing Shanahan talk like that. I'm hearing Kittle talk like that. Start him. Day one. All overreact to OTAs. If you're not going to do it, let me do it for you. <laughs> it's like, you know, hearing it, it's all very general coach speak. But ultimately... I just think it would be the better business move to just get Trey Lance in there, you know, see if what you can get with for, for Jimmy Garoppolo, if you can trade him away. And if they don't, they're most likely going to start him in the 2021 season. I just think it's going to leave you in a bind. It sounds so easy whenever we're saying, yeah, just start Garoppolo, just start Garoppolo in 2021 and let Trey Lance sit behind him and it's all going to work out from there. A lot of things have to go right in order for that to happen. A lot of things have to go right. That, that's what that's what happened with the Chiefs. It was the right situation for Mahomes, and you put them along with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, two guys uh, at their respective positions who are just as good catching the deep ball as any other guys in the game. You pair them up with Mahomes, they got a good thing going. It's like what happens if you know Garoppolo, you know, let's just say, Oh man, I was so close to acting like this was a uh, a, a sixteen game schedule. Let's just say they go eleven and six, for example. I actually predicted them to go twelve and five when just looking at the schedule. But let's just say they go eleven and six, and Garoppolo looks to have a you know a good rapport with Ayuk and Samuel as as he's shown that he's capable of doing. Uh, not so much with Ayuk, more more Debo Samuel. George Kittle gets his, you know, they get to the playoffs but don't really do much. Well, next season, what if all of a sudden Trey Lance just doesn't work well with Brandon Ayuk nor Debo Samuel? I think he's going to work well with George Kittle. I think he's going to work well with Kittle. Looking at any of those Lance highlights and you see the connection that he had with the tight end, you've got to imagine that that sort of thing can transfer over to the NFL. That's what they talk about with running a pro-style offense. But there's just so many what-ifs to me when it comes to Garoppolo starting the 2021 season. And hearing this stuff from OTAs, hearing how smooth that it's been going, uh, there hasn't been many bumps in the road. You know, maybe for guys like me, Kyle Shanahan needs to go to the podium and say, hey, Trey Lance sucks right now. <laughs> so, so that guy, that guy at the 5 a.m. show on 95.7 The Game can s- stop spouting off all this, tr- all this crap about starting him in his first season. <laughs> yeah, he's totally listening right now. Uh, the one last sound clip that I wanted to play was from Jimmy Garoppolo just talking about his reaction uh, when he came in 
and uh, just saw Trey Lance. Yeah, there, I mean, when it initially happened, there's a million emotions that go on throughout your head, and you think of all the possible scenarios and things like that. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I want to play football. I want to go out there and win games. That's what I do. It wasn't anything too crazy. It took a little while to get, you know, process everything. But, you know, once I did, it was just go out there and ball. You know, you just got to attack it. NFL is a crazy business. Things happen, but you just got to attack it day by day and, you know, make the best of it. Look, man, Garoppolo is a robot up at the podium. He is. He's going to say everything um, very Tom Brady-like, right? Tom Brady has never really said anything during OTAs or any of that sort of stuff uh, that's gone, you know, out of you know out of the realm of all the gates that have happened, you know, and he's had to speak on those. But when talking about generalities like that, Garoppolo is much like uh, Tom Brady. But when he said, you know, it's a lot to process at first, man, I'm thinking when I heard that, you know, I don't know if he was taking it as well as, you know, he's made out to be. You know, he has a smile and he's looking happy and he's going to support Trey Lance through and through. But, man, I, I, I can't imagine that Garoppolo is looking into this season uh, without knowing that, you know, in the five-year deal that he got with the Niners, it's just going to end in this way where a rookie quarterback is going to take over um, for him. I don't I, – I mean, he's, you know, he's going to be a professional about it. But when I heard that yesterday, I was just like, wow – a long process. I mean, that's as much as he's going to tell the media. But, man, I, I heard that, and I was just thinking, damn. <laughs> you know? Damn. Um, all right, I started off the show with this, and I want to close it out with this. But Anthony Davis, at the beginning of the game with the Lakers and the Suns, when he goes up for a jumper on Jay Crowder, Crowder's guarding him one-on-one. There's nobody around. Listen to this call from TNT. You're wondering if the ball jammed finger... Oh, maybe it was the follow-through by Anthony Davis that kind of hit him below the belt a little bit. Look at the follow-through of Anthony Davis' foot. I'm wondering if the officials are going to take a look at this. Look at the follow-through. Yep, right there. Right there. (laughs) Yikes! They're going to take a look at it, and this will probably be a technical. Because uh, we saw Draymond Green a, a few years ago. Moving on the floor is a defensive foul on Crowder. The play is under review. And it got called a flagrant in the end. And here is Anthony Davis's response in the post game because clearly he tried kicking Crowder in the nuts. I don't care what Davis says. You know, it wasn't intentional. Uh, Jay knows that. He, he came and told me that it wasn't intentional. I've never been that type of player to do anything like that. But, you know, if you get kicks in that area, I, I guess this is on an automatic flagrant one no matter what the situation is. So, you know, I didn't let it affect me. It was early in the game. I I didn't let it affect me. The crowd was going to be the crowd, you know, cheer for the team and support their team. I just played through it, and that's all I did. Unintentional, according to Anthony Davis. Let us laugh leading into the morning roast. <laughs> Curly, laugh with me. <laughs> T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. 
Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.